Welcome to Tuesday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. Mike here. I was a little under the weather yesterday, so I'm sorry we didn't get a podcast out. But boy, oh boy, do we have stuff to get to today. Today. 13 full days ahead of the midterm elections. Two weeks from today, if you're being a stickler. And we will get to it. There's a lot of news floating out there around the election. Today's the big debate in Pennsylvania. At least that's the way it's being built. The big debate between Dr. Raz and John Fetterman. And the weird part of this is so many people have already voted. There's a ton of folks who've already placed their early ballots in the, uh, in the mail. And early voting underway for a couple of weeks now. A half a million Pennsylvanians reportedly already placed their votes and I don't know why we have this debate or why we have early voting if we're going to have late debates. I know the answer. Democrats. Yes, that's the answer. So we'll get an hour because that's all we're allowed to get from the Democrat candidate who is going to be using a closed captioning device in order to make sure he hears the questions correctly. See, Fetterman is still recovering from a stroke But it's not his stroke recovery that has so many of us worried. It's his policies, his policies that want to open the prisons, his policies that want to make virtually no drug illegal, his policies that will drive us closer and closer and closer to socialism, his policies that if the Democrats retain the majority in the Senate, his policies will be in sync with Chuck Schumer's And they will be killing the filibuster and expanding the Supreme Court, packing the court, if you will, and probably trying to make D.C. and Puerto Rico states because they want a permanent majority. And that would pretty much give it to them. So Mr. Soft on Crime, Mr. Hoodie Wearing, Mr. Cargo Shorts. I don't know what he's going to wear tonight. It'd be interesting to see Uh, the the thing that Dr. Oz has to do is be likable and logical and conservative because Fetterman can't defend his own record and uh, you're certainly not going to win over any votes by going after John Fetterman. There is a, uh, a wonderful thing that was posted on the internet today. I have to play it for you. It is a um, heated debate between the author of some of the toughest drug laws in our country with some of the most severe penalties and John Fetterman, Mr. Soft on Crime. Only this debate never happened. It is from a Twitter account called Maze Moore, M-A-Z-E-M-O-O-R-E. Maze Moore put this together. He does so many great videos. And it is essentially a debate between Joe Biden, the crime guy, when he was the crime guy, and John Fetterman, you got to check this out. So, you know, and I, I believe in redemption. And I would just ask anyone watching, I would say, if you've seen Shaw, uh, Shank Redemption, the movie, and if you, at the end of the, the movie, you would That's vote bizarre. to have Morgan Freeman's uh, ca- uh, character die in prison, 
then that's really those, that's the choice. Did you know there were more than 2 million cocaine addicts? Cocaine addicts are specifically inclined to violence more than any of the other addict population. There is no rationale for having the limited prison space and no avail availability for federal prison space for state cocaine addicts. Now, maybe you knew all along that there were 2.2 million cocaine addicts who are responsible for spawning of the violence and the increase in violent crime in this country. Maybe you knew it. Uh, it's, a, it's a tiny, tiny fraction. Do you use cocaine? I'm not really sure I understand your question. Are you a drug user? Do you use cocaine? I use captioning. Popping pills to smoking marijuana to heroin to cocaine. Do you? The, the campaign itself is, is, is incredibly difficult. And you know, Fox News has all ganged up on us and every night. In fact, more than every other of the candidates uh, combined, actually. What are you being so sensitive about? I feel like I'm going to get better and better uh, every day. And Joe Biden is still going to be a fraud. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's very well done. Well done, Mays. You should follow Mays more on Twitter if you're on Twitter. He does put out some very clever and funny stuff. And throughout that video, which you can't see, uh, Biden reacting to Fetterman is almost as good as the uh, just the audio itself. There's something else he had, which I have to share with you. The Democrats have been saying that the Republican Party is radical, right? We've been getting this line from the White House and from Pelosi and from Hillary Clinton and Chuck Schumer. Oh, those radical, radical, ultra-maga Republicans. And what did Joe try last Friday? The ultra-maga trickle down. That didn't work. That didn't stick. But they've been trying to depict the current Republican Party as being extremists. And Joe Biden's actually been doing this for quite some time. Joe Biden has been trying to paint the GOP as something that is really radical. Now, remember the theory, the Opelka political theory. Every time a Democrat points a finger at you and accuses you of something, it's probably because they're doing it themselves and they're trying to deflect attention from themselves if they get caught. So by calling the Republicans radical and extremists, etc., and saying, oh, it's not your father's Republican Party, it really is an attempt to deflect the attention away from the radical Democrats who have taken over the party. The radical Democrats like Ilhan Omar, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Cori Bush. And they're all, all forcing Biden and Schumer and Pelosi to do radical stuff to the party. So the only way to get the attention away from that is to isolate, try and freeze. It's a Saul Alinsky thing with the GOP. Joe Biden's been doing this for a while. Earlier this year, he started talking about, it's not your father's Republican parties. They're scary. They're very scary. Well, he's also been doing it for more than a decade. Listen to this. This ain't your father's Republican party. Not, not a joke. This is not your father's Republican Party. That's 2020. This is not your father's Republican Party. 2018. This is a different deal. They are not. They are not who we are. They're not who America is. 
because this is not your father's Republican Party. 2016. This, I call them the new Republican Party. This is not your father's Republican Party. 2014. I remember 2012. working with Republicans. Republicans. And by the way, this ain't your father's Republican Party. This is not your father's Republican Party. 2005. This is a different group of folks, ladies and gentlemen. Not every Republican is a MAGA Republican. Not every Republican embraces that extreme ideology. And not all Republicans, but the radical right in the Republican Party. So this from 2005 all the way up to present day, Joe Biden's been using that term. This is not your father's Republican Party. Oh, no, these are crazy radicals. Well, what about your party, sir? Seriously, look at your party. Take a good look at them because they are a radical party. JFK would not be allowed in this Democrat party. John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the last Democrat I could probably vote for, would not be allowed in the Democrat party of today. Why? Well, he was, uh, he was all for cutting taxes. He thought that if the people had control of their money, they would spend it wisely that the government telling you how to do it, that's not a good thing. JFK was all for making sure we had as, as many people healthy, kids healthy. Remember the President's Council on Physical Fitness? How dare you mention that a kid might be overweight, even though we know how bad it's going to be for kids in the future. You're fat shaming them. You're body shaming them. No, we should try and get these kids healthy instead of trying to change their genders. The gender thing is really interesting, and I had a, a bit of a flash because the British National Health Service or system has suddenly had an awakening. The Brits have said, you know, maybe these kids who think they're a different gender, maybe they should, uh, you know, like slow their roll on changing their gender. Maybe that's not really the way we should be looking at things. Just perhaps it's a phase that they're going through. Yeah. The Brits are starting to slow it down because they're not all in on the gender mutilation. Good for them. I wish Joe Biden would wake up. I think the tide is starting to turn and it's coming from parents and it's coming from people of faith. When it comes to trying to stop the indoctrination and the transification of children. You know, this clip appeared yesterday on the Internet. It is a preacher talking about the transgender indoctrination. Get every word of this. You can go to the doctor and get cut up. You can go down to the dress shop and get made up. You can go down there and get drugged up. But at the end of the day, you were just a drugged up, dressed up, made up, cut up, man or woman. You ain't changed what God put in you, that DNA. No, you haven't changed what God put in you. I, I love that passion. He had more. It's time for grown-ups and time for Christians to start standing up and being unafraid to tell the truth. Come after me if you want to. I don't care. You want my head? Here it is right here. Come on, come get it. I don't care because it's time for us to stand up. Now, I'm not afraid to stand up and tell the truth about that issue. 
They're dragging our kids down into the pit of hell, trying to teach them that mess in our schools. Tell you like this, that ain't got no place at no school. Two plus two don't equal transgender. It equals four. We need to get back to teaching them how to read instead of teaching them how to go to hell. Just beautiful. Beautiful stuff. I love hearing that passion and that clarity. And meanwhile, Joe Biden is inviting one of these trans influencers into the White House and saying that he's all for funding gender-affirming treatments, meaning mutilations of children. Can't we wait till they're adults? The, uh, the gender influencer who was at the White House is in his 20s. And I just intentionally misgendered that person. It's a man pretending to be a woman, which is fine. That's their choice. They're an adult. They can be as dumb as they want. America has that right. As an adult, you're allowed to be as dumb as you want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, you know? It's kind of a libertarian thinking. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff and don't force their kids to be trans. Parents have rights. Big time. And one of the states where parents have rights is Florida. And I think Ron DeSantis, in his, um, in his debate last night against Charlie Crist, was just epic. The debate last night had so many hits, I almost don't know where to begin. Charlie Crist uh, looked stunned. He looked like a boxer just barely staying on his feet in the corner. And uh, DeSantis gave him a lot of what for. And uh, especially in the fact department when it comes to things like, well, I don't know, protecting life. Well, I was thinking back uh, in the aftermath of this to uh, a poor woman over 40 years ago in Jamaica, and she found herself pregnant, didn't think there'd be much opportunity uh, to have a child, was urged to, to, to abort the baby, uh, went to get the abortion. And, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, and maybe we can't explain, uh, that didn't end up happening. Uh, and she ended up having the baby. And I think about that uh, because a few months ago, I appointed her daughter to be the first Jamaican-American justice in the history of the Florida Supreme Court. I just think we're better when everybody counts. Uh, I understand not everyone's going to be born in perfect circumstances, but I would like to see everybody have a shot. I'm proud of the 15 weeks that we did. I know Charlie Crist opposes that, even though the baby is fully formed, has a heartbeat, can feel pain, and can suck their thumb. He also supports sex-selective abortions, which is used to discriminate against little girls. He supports dismemberment abortions, where they literally will tear the baby limb from limb. And he supports taxpayer funding of abortion all the way up until the moment of birth. And that is wrong. Just beautiful. Beautiful. And it's tough to hear. But guess what? The truth is sometimes tough to hear. The governor not only protecting life in the womb, the governor protecting female life as it is going through the education process and wanting to be part of sports. I'm the father of a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old daughter as well as a four-year-old son, but my daughters are very athletic and we sign legislation to protect the right of women athletes, that you should not have someone competing on the men's team for three years and then switch to the women's team. Charlie Crist opposed that bill. He said he would have vetoed it. I'm gonna protect women's sports in the state of Florida. Good for you, Governor. Good for you. And I hope you're called governor for a long time, at least a couple more years. 
The governor also addressed the people who want to teach CRT, critical race theory, and tear apart our country. I'm proud of our history. I don't want to teach kids to hate our country. I don't want to teach kids to hate each other. And the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. Common sense, right? Makes perfect sense. It was a remarkable night. And uh, I, I hope the voters of Florida, especially those who've had a tough couple of weeks since the hurricane, We'll make sure they get out and vote. DeSantis had a couple more punches to throw, especially when it related to the um, transgender thing. You know, I would say when you oppose the parents' rights and education bill, which prevents six, seven, eight-year-olds from having sexuality, gender ideology injected in their curriculum, you are the one that's waging the culture war. I'm simply defending parents and students because it's inappropriate to have that in elementary school. It's inappropriate to tell a a six-year-old that they were born in the wrong body. It's inappropriate to tell an eight-year-old that they may have been born a girl, but maybe they're really a boy. That's wrong. We need to do the basics. We need to teach them to read, write, add, and subtract. Uh, And if we do that, we'll continue to lead in fourth grade reading and fourth grade math like we did in today's NAEP results, which is a great testament to having open schools and a lot of hardworking folks in our school system. I also signed, I'm the the father of a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old daughter as well as a four-year-old son, but my daughters are very athletic and we signed legislation to protect the right of women athletes, that you should not have someone competing on the men's team for three years and then switch to the women's team. Charlie Crist opposed that bill. He said he would have vetoed it. I'm going to protect women's sports in the state of Florida. Yeah, I just just played that little clip before, Governor. But, yeah, we'll let you finish it out. Uh, One more from uh, Charlie Crist. One more uh, from the Charlie Crist, Governor DeSantis debate. DeSantis talking about fentanyl which is killing so many young people today. Some people are talking about wiping out an entire generation. And then I signed legislation raising the penalties for people who are trafficking fentanyl and fentanyl analogs. If you're trafficking that garbage, that poison, you are killing people in our state and we are going to treat you like the murderer that you are. Beautiful, beautiful. Love to see that. Love to see that. Charlie Crist really didn't have anything. He was, as I said, in the corner, staggering, like a fighter who'd just been slapped around the ring. Speaking of somebody who staggers around like a fighter who's been slapped around the ring, Joe Biden yesterday had another bad day, another bad day with his brain. Uh, Joe was, was, now I know why he's not out talking on the campaign trail with some of these Democrats. You know, they're bringing Barack Obama. And they're going to put Jill Biden out there, but they're not putting Joey out there because Joey's brain is just not working. In fact, yesterday he had an event where uh, he was um, celebrating Kamala Harris's birthday. Kamala Harris, you know, the president, right? Happy birthday, great president. Uh, We know uh, your mom's always with you. And all Kamala can just say, yes. He said, Happy birthday to our great president. She's not even an acceptable vice president. And then they took Joey over to a meeting with uh, Democrats. It wasn't a meeting 
with candidates. It was with people who are in the party. I guess they think uh, they can fool Joe to think this is like a campaign event. And all he could do was try and slam the GOP and try and scare people. That's the new tactic. Pelosi's out there telling everybody uh, that the Republicans are going to wreck everything. And Joey's out there saying the same thing. And if I could get this to play, you'll hear it. Joey? Think about it. Republicans are determined to hold the economy hostage, either given to their demands on Social Security and Medicare, which millions of Americans rely on and earned and paid for, or Republicans are going to crash the economy. None of that makes any sense, and it's not true. The voters trust the Republicans on the economy more than they trust the Democrats. That is probably the biggest disparity between the two parties that we're seeing in the polling. So all the Democrats have is some kind of fear. And they're already starting to whisper about, well, maybe maybe the midterms are going to be stolen. Now Hillary Clinton's out there telling people that right-wing extremists are getting ready to steal the next presidential election because she has the ability to visit the future and come back, I guess. Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that <laughs> is keeping me up at night. Indivisibles. First of all, who the hell are those people? Is this your attempt to try and create a counter group to the group you call deplorables? The Indivisibles. Hello, Indivisibles. Or is it a new Disney series? Hillary, continue. And I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. What you're about to read. She's kind of trying to stare into the lens of the camera, but she's staring just above it and reading a prepared statement. So this is not a natural thing. This is a scripted thing. I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections. Yes. And they are incredibly important. Yes, and I hope you lose. But we also have to look ahead because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. So here we are with the Democrats pointing a finger at us saying, we know you've got a plan to steal the next election. And what do we know? We know there are three fingers pointing right back at Hillary saying that she and her cohorts are already planning to steal the next election because that's how this works. That's the political axiom here. And they're not making a secret of it. The right wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. She's reading this, and the video really is disturbing to watch. You should watch it. So states now having the right to make sure their electoral votes are secured and appropriate and handled properly, that's a problem. That's what they're talking about. That's totally what they, this, uh, this Democrat party is talking about right now. They're crazy. They're out of their minds. Uh, to prove it to you, I was looking at the Marco Rubio debate the other night, too. Marco Rubio is facing off with uh, Val Demings, a member of Congress, Democratic member of Congress, somebody the Democrats thought would have a really good chance against Marco Rubio, and maybe she will. I don't think so. It's a tight race. But Demings 
who served in the military and then has some law enforcement experience, you'd think that'd be a really good, a really good background to try and win independent voters. But Val Deming seems to think it's harder to be a politician than to be a police officer. Let's think about that. What does a police officer do? They go to work every single day. They put on that uh, bulletproof vest and they leave the house and they hope to come home at the end of the day. My friend Dan Bongino likes to say that families of law enforcement cannot relax until they hear that door open and the bulletproof vest Velcro coming off. Then they know it's okay. But Val Demings thinks it's harder to be a politician than a police officer. To all of the uh, elected officials, uh, Commissioner, I know you're in the room, and other elected officials who may be in the room, let me tell you, you know, after 27 years as a law enforcement officer, there's no doubt that's a tough job, that's a hard job, no doubt about it, but uh, being in elected office, that's a whole level, y'all. So- no, no, it's not. It's not. There is not even close comparison to being an elected official where most of your whims are catered to, especially on a national level. You go to Washington, D.C., you've got security. You've got an office in your district. You've got an office in D.C. We give you taxpayer dollars to hire your staff. Most of you hire your friends. And we pay for a whole bunch of stuff for you. How is that even close to being a police officer? Not even close. So respectfully, madam, be quiet. Please be quiet. The other race I think is starting to go the right direction is the gubernatorial race in Arizona, where you have uh, Carrie Lake going up against Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobson sounds like she's way, way, way in over her head. She's the Democrat. Sounds kind of mousy to me. Is that unfair to call her mousy? Katie Hobbs was being asked why she won't debate Carrie Lake. It's because she's scared. She's scared of her. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the debate about debates is over. I'm running my campaign the way I'm running my campaign. I'm gonna- So the debate about debates is over. I'm running my campaign the way I'm running my campaign. Huh? What? Continue to make the case directly to voters. The, the case you make to them, and not to belabor that point, is they, they do. They, it, it are tough times for a lot of folks. We talk yeah. about the economy, inflation, and I know there's a rising cost of living here. Uh, people are putting somebody in that office that they want to stand up for them and fight mm-hmm. for them. At worst, it could come off as you're scared to step on that stage. And at best, you're not willing to confront. We're in a new era where, where sometimes some politicians are seen as bullies. And- Uh, Nice setup with the question, but the reality is she is afraid and she's weighing over her head, but they tried to give her a little, you know, breathing room there. You've been taught since we were little kids, you got to stand up to a bully. You won't, you you understand how that might come across. How do you make a case? We want to send you to fight for us, but you won't even step on stage. I have stood up to this bully for the past two years uh, and that's, and Arizonans have seen that and I'm going to continue to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about some of the... Yeah, I want to talk about something else. You're afraid. You're afraid. You should debate. And if you're not able to debate your opponent, you're not able to be the governor and represent an entire state. A critical state, too, with a border that is hemorrhaging 
and uh, has people bringing in drugs and sex trafficking and illegals. And by the way, another record month for Joe Biden at the border. Another record month. Plus, we now have a record set in terms of numbers of people we know came to the border, got caught, and were on the terror watch list. Terrorists, 98 of them we caught. How many did we miss? We have to be right every time we're stopping terrorists. They only have to be right once. It's very disturbing. But instead, we have a guy wandering around the White House lawn, as Joe Biden did yesterday, telling Kamala Harris she's the president and wishing her a happy birthday. And then he seems fascinated by or obsessed with the word ramrod. Joe Biden keeps using the word ramrod, especially when he's talking about women. This just seems weird. Look, uh, and I want to thank uh, a good friend of mine, Michigan Governor (laughs) Gretchen Whitmer. You've got a backbone like a ramrod. You know, and of course, I know you've had an incredible role model in Marikisha Lance Bottoms. She's got a backbone like a ramrod. The vice president of the United States, Vice President Harris. How's she doing? You're almost two years in. How's she doing? She's doing great. She has a backbone like a ramrod. But the truth is, (laughs) she's the strongest person I know. She's a backbone like a ramrod. I see the world from where I grew up like many of you. I grew up in Scranton, as I said. My mom taught me. My mom had a backbone like a ramrod. So his mom has a backbone like a ramrod. Jill's a ramrod. The mayor of D.C.'s a ramrod. Kamala's a ramrod. What the hell is with the ramrod, Joey? (laughs) That's just flat out weird. It really is just flat out weird. And there's no way to answer that. And there's no way they're going to actually give us Uh, A real answer about what the hell he's talking about, ramrod. All right, tonight is the debate. I will be watching it as uh, we live close to Philadelphia, so right on the Pennsylvania border. We'll be able to see it, and uh, I'll give you my um, thoughts tomorrow. In the meantime, Jim Stovall, the man behind the Winner's Wisdom column, is joining us. Jim writes a great inspirational, motivational column every week, and you and I get to spend some time with him. So when we get back, we'll talk winner's wisdom and get a little inspiration from our friend Jim Stovall on the Pure Opelka podcast. Jim Stovall is returning again, and I'm very happy that he's here. Jim Stovall is our friend. He's an author a public speaker. He's a, an innovator and a philanthropist. He's the man behind more than 50 books in the library and the narrative television network, which, which allows people without vision, without sight, to be able to appreciate television and movies. And Jim is without his sight, his eyesight. I was going to say you're without vision, Jim, but you're a guy who has great vision, at least in my mind. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm glad to have that in your mind, and I appreciate that very much. Yeah, I told Jim before he went on the air that when I talk to Jim Stovall, I naturally smile, and I think that is something that is such a gift, and I felt necessary to tell you because you can't see my smile. And well, and when it's... I listen to you, I almost always smile because you, you always say something humorous, even when you're trying to be serious. It's funny quite often. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, Jim, uh, it's fall, and at the end of the, of the 
the summer and fall, a lot of us focus on baseball, and I am um, I'm spending a lot of time watching the playoffs, admittedly, mostly because uh, living near Philadelphia, there's a whole lot of energy around the World Series as it relates to Philadelphia and the Phillies finally back into things. Uh, and, and you're a fan of sports, a lot of sports. You, you pay attention to sports on radio. And we're learning about the sports world via the long season in this week's column. Uh, what, what am I making sure I don't want to miss in this week's column, Jim? Well, uh, like you, I am a huge sports fan. And uh, I will join you in pulling for the, uh, the Phillies since they eliminated my Cardinals. And they come out of nowhere, I mean, and they're doing this. But as a blind guy myself, I am a huge fan of sports on the radio. And basketball is good on the radio. Football is very good on the radio. But baseball was made for radio, and uh, a lot of us grew up listening to baseball on the radio. And I, you know, I remember when there was one televised game a week, and it seemed like it was always the Yankees. You you, you had to <laughs> watch the Yankees every week. It was the Yankees. But um, you know, and and one of the great things now with satellite is I can listen to. You know, when each team's batting, I can listen to their home announcer. So I've listened to so many, and then. Uh, but, uh, you know, this time of year, I always think of the gold standard was uh, Vin Scully. And I, I remember him so fondly because uh, uh, he, he did 67 years for the Dodgers. I mean, he broadcast the Dodgers before they went to L.A. And uh, starting in 1950 and retired in uh, 2017, if you can imagine, something that degree of longevity. And, and to do something you know, that well, most people, you know, there, there's a big argument about who's second best, but uh, most people acknowledge that uh, Vin Scully during his time was about as good as you get at doing that thing. And I was listening to a, a game uh, earlier this year out on the West Coast, and, uh, you know, a guy had an error, they blew a game and uh, missed a play, and, and the, the, the announcer said, well, it's a long season. Like, you know, hey, don't worry about it, it's a long season. And it is 162 games. It's a long season, but when it comes down to it, the, the Phillies, the Cardinals, the you know those people getting into the playoffs, it's usually one or two games, and those games come down to one or two plays that you either get right or you make an error. And I think that is so much an analogy for our lives, Mike. I mean, uh, life all comes down to just a few things that matter. And my late great friend and mentor, Coach John Wooden, always told his players. You know, there's only a few plays during the game that really matter. Unfortunately, I don't know when those are going to be, so we need you to go 100% all the time. And because it could be the one that turns the corner. And uh, uh, Crystal and I have a favorite hotel we stay at when we're in New York, and the, 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 the service is just impeccable. It's amazing. And these people just are fanatical about their service. And so one day I asked a guy, I, I, I said, do you mind, the bellman, and I said, do you mind telling me, who trains you guys? What is it? I mean, this is amazing, the culture of service you have. And he said, well, we get a fairly modest salary, but at the end of the year, we get a huge bonus. And we either receive or don't receive our bonus based on one thing in our entire hotel chain, and that is how we handle one mystery guest. And nobody knows who it is or where this person's going to be. And he said, for all I know, it's you. And nobody wants to be the one 
that blows the huge bonus for everybody. <laughs> so everybody, they, they, they get that baseball thing. They get it. You know, you don't want to be the one to make the error in the eighth inning. You don't want to be the one. You know, they all count. And, uh, you know, when we watch basketball, we always think it's the last second shot. Did it win or lose on that shot? Well, any shot during that game would have done the same thing. But uh, so, you know, it all matters. And, um, you know, we need to bring our A game every day to whatever you're doing. When you go to the office, you have a meeting, you go to work, you, you know, a conversation, or you're talking to Michael Pelka this week. You, you've got to get, you know, do the best you can, bring your A game, because sooner or later, you'll either be glad you did or you will wish you had. I love that. You will either be glad you did or you will wish you had. Every play, every moment, every opportunity could be that pivot could be that one opportunity, that one play, that one chance that turns into the golden moment in your life, in your career, in your relationship. So paying attention, kind of important at this time. Uh, Jim Stovall, this is one of the more simple columns you've written, and yet it is impactful, I know, to me because of the clarity. And I encourage everybody to get Jim's column, the Winner's Wisdom column, each and every week. You go to jimstovall.com. You put in your email address. It shows up every week, and then you hang out with Jim and me, and we discuss it and have a little fun, usually at my expense. But, you know, I think that's toughening me up, Jim, for the next phase in my life, whatever the heck it is. Uh, well, when it comes to ridiculing someone, you have a very big expense account. So uh, we're just trying to just trying to catch up here, Mike. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Jim, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Jim Stovall and his column available at jimstovall.com. Thank you, my friend. Be well. 